Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Amen. Can you believe we're only a week and a half from Christmas? Don't miss next Sunday. Remember, next Sunday, both services is our special Christmas presentation. It'll be a lot of music and just, uh, just time in the presence of God where we're going to celebrate Him. It's going to be excellent. And then we'll tell you more about how we're going to finish the year as we uh, come to the conclusion of it. But today's message is called Finishing Touches. We're talking about masterpiece this month. You are God's masterpiece. Amen? He's, you know, that explains why... Uh, you're not perfect yet because he's still working, right? You need, to let, you need to give somebody an elbow next to you and remind them that you're not perfect yet because God's still painting you, still sculpting, still getting rid of the dross and making you the fine gold he wants you to be. We're going to start with Genesis chapter 1, the book of beginnings, and then we've in John chapter 19. Genesis 1.31 says, Then God, this is the very end of chapter 1, by the way, after all the creation, it says, then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. Isn't that great? So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. The next verse is Genesis 2, 1. It says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. Everybody say finished. finished. They were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and set it apart or sanctified it because in it he rested. He ceased from all of his labor. He rested from all of his work which he had created, which God had created and made. The word rest there is the word Shabbat or Sabbath. It means not just an ending of the work. Listen, it means a celebration of what you've done. It means a celebration of what you've done. I know a lot of people that are reluctant to finish work, take it home with them, think about it 24-7, and then they never celebrate it because they never end it. That's one of the things we're guilty of in America, isn't it? We've got to be very careful. God finishes what he starts, and we need to finish too. John 19, verse 20, it says this. After this, this is Jesus on the cross. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on hyssop, put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you... Open the eyes of our heart today as we seek to glorify you and edify others. Holy Spirit, we need you. This world that we're in is broken and lost and the soul of our nation is at stake and we need you to come and move strong in in our nation and change us. Lord, your word says that as the body of Christ goes, as the church goes, so goes the city, the state, the community, and the nation. Lord, help your church to wake up in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Last week we began a new theme about the wonderful works of God. He is the maestro of maestros, not just the king of kings and lord of lords. He's the orchestra conductor of conductors. He's, he's the ultimate artisan. He is the sculptor. He is the potter and we're the clay. As Michelangelo created the Sistine Chapel, he enjoyed this relationship with God. Michelangelo back in the 1500s when other men lived to be in their 40s, Michelangelo lived to be 88 years old. And the more he, the, the more he aged, the stronger he grew in the grace of God and had this power to bring forth many things through the tapestries and the things that he saw and the things that he did. A lot of artists are great in drawing or sculpting or painting or poetry. Michelangelo was gifted in all of them and left a lasting legacy that lasts to this day 500 years. If there's a breath in your body, it's because God is still painting. He's still sculpting and he hasn't signed you yet. Amen? We talked about Corey Timboon's tapestry last week. On the one side, it looked like chaos. But on the other side, when she turned around, it was a crown representing the kingdom of God. And she said, life doesn't have to make sense. In fact, a life of faith rarely makes sense. But God is working. We said we just have to keep assembling ourselves together as his church and neighborhoods, co-workers, cities, and regions will get the overflow. So amen. Let's talk about finishing touches. I love the way God has anointed, appointed, and equipped his people with so many diverse gifts and talents, you know, abilities, different things. He, he placed us in the body. Some people are gifted musicians. Some people are gifted in sports. Some people are gifted in art. Some people are gifted in serving others. Some people are gifted. There's just there's so many for every person. God has unique gifts, talents, and abilities. One person can look at a plot of land and envision a housing development, streets, houses, and lampposts where there are trees and swamps. Another can draw up a building plan from a blank sheet of paper. Still another person is able to take that drawing and construct an actual building or structure people can walk inside and be blessed. There are both big picture visionary people and thank God there are detail people that see the little minutia. Then there are the finishers. Those who can see color and character and furniture and furnishings, the decorators, those that give the finishing touches, the paint, the pictures on the walls, the cabinetry. I don't know about you, but um, I'm thankful for my wife because when we got married 40 years ago, uh, I'd have been happy with just uh, uh, walking into a shoebox. And uh, in fact, we did. We, our first place we lived was a shoebox. It was a 14 by 48 mobile home, brand new, but to save money, we bought it without air conditioning. We basically lived in a toaster oven. And uh, to save, I think, 12 bucks a month on our mortgage payment. Back then, those of you won't believe this, but the interest rate on us buying our first mobile home was 20% interest. 
1980. We can imagine we could ever have a house. We can imagine we could ever have a nice car, decent car, two cars. But my wife was the one that took every place we've lived in the last 40 years and turned a, a house into a home. When we built this building, I could see a building on this spot. I don't know how I could see it, but I could see it with the eye of faith. But as we started planning it back in, we bought the land in 1994. We we're only four years old as a church. And we, it took us a couple years to get in the building. 1996, we got in the building, end of March. But I remember when we were building it, my wife said, I just, until I actually can walk into a room, I can't see it on this paper. I don't know, I can't see it. But the moment it started going up and walls started going up and taking shape, she walked in and she goes, oh, I can see. I can see a church. I can see furnishings. I can see chairs. I can see what we want to do. That's her gift. My gift is the big picture. She thankfully sees the decorations. And I appreciate her so much, even, especially at Christmas. I, I, I'd, be, I'd, be Charlie, I'd have Charlie Brown's tree. You know, if I, was a, if I was a bachelor, thank God my wife fills, my, fills our lives, our family, and our home with all the finish work, all the finishing touches, all the little things that make life worth living. Sometimes we're so good at doing something, just kind of getting through it just trying to finish, like end it without those last final finishing touches. But I want you to know when God created the heavens and the earth, there was a moment where he simply finished his part. Not that he would interact with us, but that, it, that he would, the Bible says that the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the children of men. That the earth, earth management was given to us. Now God intervenes as we intercede but he won't do anything unless his people invite him in to do his work. And so in Genesis 1, as he spoke of the creation of man, he ended that portion of his work and he sat down to rest. He sat down to Shabbat, to Sabbath, to complete his work. The Bible says he, literally it says he sat down and he gazed to admire or celebrate his finished work. Sometimes we're so good at working, at the working part, and we're not good at the finishing and celebrating part. The assembly of God, the assembly, not the denomination, the, the assembly of God's church, the assembly of his people. I want you to know church should be a holy party every Sunday. It should be a moment where we come together. And I, I could feel Pastor Lindsay's heart in the worship and the team they, were, they weren't just singing songs. They weren't just up here performing. Thank God, that's not what we want. They were leading us in to the presence of God. When they were singing about the goodness of God, the goodness of God was moving in the room. We could sense that. Church should be a celebration of that goodness. It should be a moment where we say, okay, no matter what happened this week, good, bad, or ugly, we're still here. And God has us here for a reason. 
I'm going to talk for a few moments about finishing touches and spiritual warfare. Because I believe that according to the, to the scriptures, Paul writes, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I laid hold of the prize. I want you to sometimes the finish work is a fight. Why? Because the finish of something can be a struggle. Princess Frangipan explained that the battle of good and evil is really the struggle over two wills for the earth. We teach this in Bible school, and it's so important that every one of you understand this. Frangipan said this, spiritual warfare is the contest over whose version of reality will materialize on the earth. The enemy has a plan for this community, for this region. The enemy has a plan he'd like to see for this church and for your life. But God has a plan. He has a bigger plan, a better plan. His plan is good and not evil. The question is, will hell or heaven manifest its intention? And that is largely gonna be for those of you who begin to see prayer not as a grocery list or a Santa Claus list for God, but in interaction with God to let his kingdom come and his will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. That you are one of the ones, you're a carrier of God's will and a carrier of his kingdom because you're a carrier of his word. There are two vulnerable points the scriptures speak of in our lives, beginning something new that's God ordained. The Bible says the enemy, the devil, waited for the birthing of something new, the birthing, it says in Revelation, the birthing of something new that was God ordained, but also completing a God assignment, the finish work. There's always a spiritual confrontation to prevent your ability to finish strong. Under the reign of Cyrus, the Jews were authorized to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple of God. The Bible says we're to seek first the kingdom of God and build that kingdom up. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, when Ezra and Nehemiah were helping to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple, demons raged. The enemy attacked with everything that he had because the enemy of your soul hates the growth and expansion of God's kingdom and he will do anything to stop it. Ezra 4, verse 4 says this, then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and even hired counselors or bribed officials, it says, one translation. Hired counselors against them, listen, to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. For 15 years, the people of God had the authorization from a foreign king who saw his name in the scriptures. It had been prophesied 120 years before there ever was a Cyrus that Cyrus was coming. Isaiah chapter 45 is all about Cyrus of Persia. And God said, I'm gonna raise him up and he's gonna help to restore my temple and release my people back. My friends, somebody took the scriptures, Josephus the profane historian, he's not a writer of scripture, but he's a Jewish historian. They consider him a profane historian, but he wrote history about the Jewish people. He said this, then the time of Ezra and Nehemiah someone came and brought Isaiah's prophecy 
from 120 years before and showed it to this foreign wicked king and showed him that he was actually going to overtake Babylon and release the Jews back to Israel. And when he read it, he decided to do it. And when he read it and decided to do it, in fact, the scriptures say, and I'm not gonna, I didn't plan to go into all this, but if you read Isaiah, 50, or Isaiah 45, the scripture says that, he, that God is gonna have Cyrus go through the double doors. And going through the double doors, he's going to take Babylon and God is gonna make the crooked places straight. In history, you know what happened? Belteshazzar in Daniel's time, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar was actually having a party in an impenetrable city in Babylon, the capital of Babylon. He was having this party to commemorate the 70 years that they'd held these Jews. And as they were drinking wine out of the goblets, the golden goblets they'd stolen from the temple, they were toasting each other, not realizing that Cyrus's army had found a way through the scriptures to come through the double doors. In an instant, an era, a period of time had shifted and changed. In a moment, in an instant, it had turned. I want you to know God is the author and finisher of our faith, isn't he? Don't allow the enemy to frustrate your purpose. The Bible says in Ezra that the people of the land try to discourage. If you've been battling discouragement this year, you're not alone. If you've been battling discouragement in your home, in your heart, in your marriage, in your family, you're not alone. Because the enemy of your soul would love to wipe you out by having you quit, back down, back away. A false promise of detente with the devil. I'm telling you, my friends, you can never have peace. You can never have a peace treaty with darkness. My old pastor used to say, if you shake hands with the devil, he's gonna bite your arm off. Understand that we're in a very real time of spiritual warfare. You wonder what's up? There's all kinds of stuff that's up. But don't allow the enemy to hire counselors or people that are, what does that mean? They bribe talking heads like we see on TV every day to discourage the people of Judah. Yeah. Not just the people of Israel, the people of Judah. What's Judah? Praise. Yeah. The enemy would love to, do, to discourage the people of praise by all the words and all the talk and all the nonsense. Yeah. That's why I've been saying the last few weeks, God will have the final word. Yeah. Our God reigns supreme. The Bible says, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nehemiah dealt with the same spirits of darkness in rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah 4, verse 8, and all of the people, he said, conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. And yet I just described to you 2020 in a nutshell. Nevertheless, he said, we made our prayer to our God and because we saw what they were doing, we set a watch against them day and night. Not setting a watch like setting a watch. He set an alert. He set a watch. Matthew 26, 41 from the message says this. Stay alert 
Be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. There's a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. I love the message. So descriptive. We have to set a watch. Set a watch right after Jesus said to Peter, could you not tarry one hour? The next thing out of his mouth was watch and pray. Be alert. Watch and pray. Be sober. Be vigilant. For the enemy walks around as an adversary, walking, appearing and masquerading as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not a roaring lion. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion. He wears a mask. He wears a lion mask. He doesn't wear a, that kind of mask. He wears a lion mask. I'm ready for God's people to be unmasked and the devil to be masked. Amen. Like bound and gagged. Amen. Amen? My friends, don't be afraid. I mean, right now, I would say to you prophetically, I believe we're at the beginning of the end of this COVID crisis, thank God. And our hope has never been in the vaccine alone. Our hope has been in God. But the vaccine starts rolling out apparently this week. And by the end of February, they're saying 20 million Americans could be vaccinated. That's a good portion of people that are at risk. Don't be afraid. Finish strong. Finish your purpose. The Bible said this way, fulfill all your purpose. The enemy tried to frustrate their purpose, tried to steal their purpose, tried to discourage them. But the Bible says, fulfill all of your purpose. All the way to the end. Finish up. Finish up strong. We used to say here, don't die till you're dead. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. He wasn't trying to be disrespectful. He was just saying, hey, don't jump into the death pit until it's your time to go. Live. You're here for a reason right now, my friends. But there are moments you have to stand and fight in the spirit to find that reason and fulfill it. I love the quote by Winston Churchill, one of my favorites. He said this, this as they stood up as a guest speaker at a famous and big meeting one time. He said, this is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never give in. Never give up. Never quit. Never back down. You'll never appease the enemy enough to make him leave you alone. That's a lie from the pit. Remember different times my wife and I were under intense attack and spiritual warfare. And we just said, wow, you know, we didn't have all this when we were just nice Christians. You know, we didn't have all this. Well, it was, it's a lie. We had it in a different way, a different level. The moment you're leaning into God, you're a threat to the forces of darkness. Not just because you're born again. Being born again is the getting on place. But the moment you're saying God, we, we sang this song earlier about uh, saying yes to God. Yes. Saying yes, yes to everything. God, whatever you want. Yes, my answer is yes. Before you even ask it, my answer is yes. 
If God would have asked us in the beginning of 2020 and told us what was going to happen, our answer would be yes. Thank God he didn't tell us. Right? I mean, because the temptation there when you say, ah, let me think about it. Um, I don't know. But the point is God has been faithful or you wouldn't be here. God has been good or you wouldn't be able to even have a smile on your face at all. I love the scripture, Psalm 20, verse four. May God grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. The Bible says when we stand before him, we want to hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, you finished everything I gave you to do. You don't want to hear, well, you're done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus knew his purpose and would not be distracted. So I'll talk about the text now as Jesus hangs on the cross and they offer him wine, sour wine. Jesus knew his purpose would not be distracted. Twice, as the Lord Jesus suffered on the cross, he was offered a drink of wine. The first, the first time it was mixed with an ancient type of painkiller. The Bible says it was mixed with frankincense or myrrh. And the Bible said Jesus refused it. He refused it. Why? Because... Many of the great theologians of the past believe that in that mixture there was a painkiller, that, they would, that, 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 that the, the suffering on the cross was such an excruciating and long death that in order to even watch someone as these Roman guards had to do, they would offer them sour wine mixed with myrrh or some other concoction to dull the pain. But Jesus refused it because he insisted on finishing and paying the full price, not the reduced price. There was no special. There was no blue light special. And that's a reference only people old enough to remember what Kmart used to be. Wow. What a, what a weird world we live in now. No Kmart special. Jesus had to pay the full price and finish his mission. He refused because he wanted to completely finish everything. And it wasn't until just as he was going to utter those words that he wanted to fulfill every scripture, had to fulfill every scripture. And as he was dehydrating, which is one of the ways you died from the cross, the Lord had to fulfill it and had to declare the completion of his sacrificial offering for sin. He would not drink the wine until it was time. It's another old reference to an old commercial, but anyway, I'll keep moving. Ever heard the expression sour grapes? Sour grapes? Speaks of vinegar. Bitter vinegar. Ever had uh, just, a, just a drink of Vinegar, we had, a, we had a guest speaker one time who came in and was having some stomach issues, asked us to go buy him some apple cider vinegar, just plain apple cider vinegar. We're like, what? And right back there, he took it and he drank it. And it was hard to watch him drink it. 
Because as it hit, he was in physical pain. His face, it was like, like he was baptized in lemon juice. He was, ugh. And as he was back there, it kind of hit and, and he goes, I'll be okay in a minute, I'll be okay in a minute. And it's like, and all of a sudden he went, mm, I'm good now. Now I feel better. I'm ready to preach. Like, hmm, that may be a good antacid, but that ain't for me. I just by your face, I can tell you I'm not planning on doing that. <laughs> that bitter vinegar. A couple of scriptures, including Jeremiah 31, say this. In those days they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. The meaning of that is that bitter experiences of sin and fear and doubt <clears throat> often get passed on from one generation to the next. That what goes down bitter to the hearts of the fathers becomes to be a, a sour taste in the mouths of their kids. And I submit to you that many of us have taken on our parents' offenses at times, taken on the frustration of the people that wronged them. And then we carry it. Jesus took your sour grapes as the final act of his sacrificial life and death. He took the bitter so you could stay sweet in your spirit. That sponge filled with vinegar on a hyssop was symbolic of Passover. They took a hyssop, was an old branch of a tree like a fern, and they would take that, remember, dip it in the blood of the sinless lamb, and they would, they would spatter it across as Joshua and the people of Israel went into the houses on Passover night so that the death angel, the, the, the spirits of darkness, would pass over them and destruction would not hit them the same way it hit the world. That hyssop, they took that branch, and the Bible says they put a sponge on it, saturated with sour wine. This time there was no painkiller. And they offered it up to Jesus. This time, he asked for it. I thirst. And as he took that drink, that bitter taste was the final thing he crucified. That bitter aftertaste now has no more right to destroy your life or mine. The whole context, Jesus drinks the bitters of life and sin to end its genetic power. Every generational curse has no more power over you. Spirit, soul, or body. And the soul, your, your mind, your will, and emotions craves freedom. As I mentioned, the great artist Michelangelo, and I want to say for my grandsons, we're not talking about the Ninja Turtle guy. Real guy. Painter, sculptor, poet, 
He was admired and honored in a time when there was no, you know, it was just the beginning of the printing press and books on the Protestant Reformation. Two biographies were written about Michelangelo during his lifetime. That was like a first. And one of those biographies says this, that he had a divine anointing on his life because in all that of his artwork, whether it was the David, a sculpture, or the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, or St. Peter's Basilica, it was written about him that he could instill a sense of awe and wonder where other painters painted faces and people, he painted feelings. His poetry includes, includes the following closing lines from what is known as poem 285, written in 1554 toward the end of his life. And he said this, neither painting nor sculpture will be able any longer to calm my soul. Now turn toward that divine love that opened his arms on the cross to take us in. How did Jesus finish paying the ultimate price? And how can we endure to the finish line of any particular season, even this one? Hebrews 12, two from the Amplified says this, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith giving the first incentive for our belief. And also, is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. He for the joy, here's the point, he for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him endured the cross, despising, despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's time to take your joy back. It's time to take your joy back by faith. If you've been waiting on a cure, or a shift, or a change, or a this, or a that, to be happy, to give yourself permission to have joy again, then you've been looking for the wrong thing, my friend. The Bible says Jesus, as he hung on the cross in the ultimate agony, the Bible says he was beaten so much that he was barely recognizable as a man. He looked like a piece of meat for you, for your sin, for me and mine. And the only way he could finish and take that sour wine, that final drink of sour grapes, it's because in his heart he could see out of eternity into time and see you, an overcomer and a conqueror in 2020, that he predestined for you, not only to be alive right now, but to be here, to be hearing this message right now. God looked out of eternity into time. Jesus saw the joy set before him, millions and millions of souls, lost people, the only way that they could be changed and saved was by him refusing the painkiller 
and taking the sour grapes. And only at that moment did he hang there and say, it is finished. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Christmas, I love Christmas, but it's not about so many of the things we think of in our hearts. It's not about the memories. It's not about sentimentality. It's not just about presents and gifts or trees. I love all those things. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you that the secret to finishing this year strong is to remember that the baby born in the manger didn't make the grand entrance of kings, but he sure is a king of kings now. No one would suspect in that little barn, in that cradle and crib of straw, that the king of the world had come to them. Unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Are you staring at the chaos or looking at the crown? Thank you, Father. Your word says you crown the year with your goodness and you will crown 2020 with your goodness as well. In the name of Jesus, I pray for every person that's watching, every person that's hearing my voice. And I pray that you would be in, you would be stirred, that you would be stirred with hope, that your faith would be renewed, that you'd get your eyes back off of all the junk you've been through this year, all the people who hurt you, failed you, hurt your parents, hurt your kids. It's time to get rid of that sour taste in your mouth, my friend, by surrendering all that bitterness and all that anxiety and all that discouragement to one he paid the ultimate price. Jesus Christ is Lord and he loves you so much that he would pay the full price and take that vinegar of life. As hard as it is to believe, one day you'll look back on 2020 and you'll be telling your kids or your grandkids how you made it through. And you'll be telling them stories of survival, stories of blessing, stories of renewal and redemption. Stories of revival. Stories of God's faithfulness to provide for you financially when the world was going down. Looking unto him, unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross all the way to the end. Holy Spirit, I've given everything I got would you reveal Jesus in every heart in this room and every person connecting with us online? 
locally in our region, throughout America, throughout the world. I come against that spirit of anger, that bitterness of soul, that disappointment and anger even with God. And we break the power of it right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, you said as we stand needing forgiveness, we are commanded to forgive ourselves. Lord, this is a miracle. It's not something we can do for ourselves. We ask you to come. Lord Jesus, come into our hearts. Change us from the inside out. Take that bad taste that we've been carrying with us and give us the sweetness of your word, the sweetness of your healing comfort in Jesus' name. Would you just say this with me out loud? Just say, Lord Jesus, I choose to forgive by faith every disappointment and everyone who wronged me this year or wronged my family throughout time. I ask you to help me to cooperate with your forgiveness and the finished work of the cross. Thank you for enduring all the way to the end so I could be truly free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You receive that? Did you get that today? Let's give him praise. Come on, give it up for our God. Listen, if you receive the Lord today, we want to hear from you. The stop by say hi is not just something where we just want a thumbs up and stuff. We do want to hear from you online, but we need to hear from people that are connected with us at Now Church that we haven't seen you for nine months, haven't heard from you, but you're still watching. We need to know you're there. So please get in touch or just email us. We need to know as we're proceeding into 2021, we need to know you're still with us, okay? Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.